Welcome to the sidelines. Did you miss me? I'm back. This is Matt Dolph. I'm back with Ty Anderson. I think all four of our loyal fans uh, missed us after I was gone for a week. I took a week off in the sports, a week and a half. Um, I'm, but I'm, I'm recording this a little early. I'm technically still on vacation, Ty. So uh, pardon me if I mail it in a little bit. Uh, but uh, Ty, did you miss me? No, I, didn't, I don't miss anybody. Damn it. I thought you're supposed to say something nice. God damn it. No, I don't do that. Uh, you ever seen that, that picture or that, that clip from with Skeletor holding the puppy? And he's like, I'm not nice. That's basically <laughs> no. me. That's just me in real life. <laughs> the, so. only thing, the only Skeletor thing I know is just like people use it as a meme, the one little clip of him going, eh, just running away. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great. The, the Skeletor version. Like if when I throw a drink in someone's face at the bar, eh, and you just run away. <laughs> The best version of Skeletor is the robot chicken version of Skeletor, which I think is voiced ah. by Seth Green. Because it's just like, it's the voice, but it's just like over the top. Right. Uh, and it's great. Uh, I re- recommend watching the robot chicken version of any Skeletor scene ever. God, I haven't watched robot chicken in a long time. But yeah, that show used to get me back in the day. That's like an Adult Swim show, right? Adult Swim um, is it, still cranking out the hits. The biggest show, obviously is the Eric Andre show, which comes back this week. Obviously. Uh, the funniest show in television by, by light years. It is so funny. And the way he makes people so uncomfortable, it's something I dream to, to do someday. Yeah. I, you've shown me some clips from that before. I should check out more of that. Uh, when I was on vacation, I watched a little bit of Shit's Creek and a little bit of Dave. I don't know if you've heard of either of these shows. Of course, yeah. But Shit's Creek was a hit. Dave, Dave's relatively new. <laughs> But it's about like little Dicky. His he plays like a fictional version of himself. Pretty funny. It's like one of those, you know. I'm I'm an awkward random, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so. I've seen that. Yeah, I've saw. I I watched like half that season. I haven't seen Shit's Creek. Everyone tells me to watch it. Uh, I haven't seen it. it. It there's too many shows. I like put on Netflix yeah. or Hulu, and I just get overwhelmed. And I'm like, ah, put on something I've seen twenty times because I just don't know what to watch. Right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm all set with like looking for shows at this point. But if I like discover it, if it just happens to be on TV or if some of a friend recommends it or something, I'll I'll try it out. Mm-hmm. This is there is way too much content to actually go looking for stuff. You get paralysis, just like all right, never mind. You spend like an hour and forty minutes looking for something when you could have just watched a movie. You know, so exactly. I I try to use the my list on Netflix as much as possible. Like I'll browse through shit and just uh just add it to the list and then like and then be like, all right, I'm gonna go into the list. I'm just gonna put something on. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work. No, it never works sometimes. But um, yeah, that's what I you know. But when I wasn't watching Shit's Creek uh, or whatever, I was uh, out in Seattle. The the weather wasn't great. You know, it's I think you have to you have to go like specifically in June or else the weather sucks out there. It was like cloudy and drizzly. It didn't even rain that much, but it was like a a light constant drizzle and just and uh, cloudy gray. Uh, not partic- not cold, but like not particularly warm. It was like 50 every day. You know, it was like it was just kind of raw, gross days. So I didn't like get to do much. I, I didn't see the space needle or anything like that. Only from a distance. So, yeah, you know, I'll have to let you know what that's like uh, later on. But you know, a lot of homeless, a lot of homeless people. Some of them appear to be you know uh, crapping on the sidewalk. So that's uh, you know an obstacle you have to dodge. But not to say it's the worst city in the world. You know, they had a they had the Pike Place Market, which if anyone who's listening has been to Seattle knows what I'm talking about. It's like their version of uh, Faneuil Hall when it has the, the the farmers market and all the little shops and all that stuff. Yeah, they throw the salmon really cool. back and forth, right? That's like the whole <laughs> thing they do. They throw the salmon. 
It doesn't, I hadn't, I didn't say anything like that, but maybe I didn't explore enough. I think there was some unexplored parts of it, but it's cool. It's a cool place to like, if you went there with, with your, your girlfriend and just like walked around for a day, not knowing what, what you were going to encounter. It's, mm-hmm. it's a pretty fun area. I, I, could, I see the appeal of the city and like yeah. the views are incredible, you know, in a way it's like Boston, but with like mountains in the background and not, you know, smoke or something. Did, smoke you, buy stacks. A, did you buy a Kraken shirt? Did you buy one of those? I did not get a Seattle Kraken shirt. I got a generic Seattle shirt. The Kraken shirt might be next. I don't know. The, the Kraken might have to be my West Coast, my Western Conference team. Mm-hmm. When they start because my sister's out there, and as long as they live out there, I'm going to be visiting there. That's right. The main, the main reason I visited was because she just had a baby, and she's only four months old, and I don't know when they're going to come out here. So, like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go like the first six, six to twelve months of the baby's life without meeting her. Mm-hmm. So I did that. That was a blast. That was easily the best time. You know, she's a tiny little baby. She's useless. All she does is poop and pee and cry. And uh, but if you get a smile out of her, it's it's good. Good you time. Job. Yeah. It was fun. Yes, it was a good time. But um, yeah, I I was my goal. One of my goals on the vacation was to just uh, completely unplug from social media. Yeah, well documented. My my. Uh, my love-hate relationship with the platform, a lot of hate. Uh, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to completely avoid it because my doppelganger shot someone in the face out in Denver. And uh, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows what is going on at this point. Uh, someone with the same name as me uh, killed someone. <laughs> he's going to be charged. He's, he's charged with second-degree murder. And uh, it, in a vacuum, this could be just like, you know, one guy shooting another guy, but course it was a politically charged thing happened at a political rally with the two sides fighting each other the guy pulls out the mace and then this this guy with the same name as he pulls out a guy and one bullet straight to the face I, you know i don't i don't know that this guy deserved to die to get shot in the face over what that was going in that moment but um i don't know i don't get why anybody goes to these things you're going to start trouble or to start fights with people i get the sense that this guy with the, unfortunately the same name as me, you know, wanted to shoot someone eventually. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems like he, he got the first excuse to do it, I guess. But um, did you get it any... just sucks, man. It just, it just sucks that it, if, it, if it was just like a random like uh, shooting or, you know, like just happened like in an apartment or something, it wouldn't be like, uh, you know, it, because it was politically charged. Mm-hmm. That, that, that like everybody like uh, everybody on the right anyway politically is talking about it constantly saying my name and it's like oh my god not so I, I didn't have a panic attack when i first heard about it but uh very very panicked i was like oh my god what what is going to happen you know did, did you get any any people like getting information or trying to get your information or like any hate mail or anything uh, like that well, people reached me, but it wasn't no, nah, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. It was just a few like erroneous Twitter mentions. You, you took a man's life. I was like, what? What? Maybe I did. Oh God, what did I do? Yeah, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, you know, a couple of creepy Facebook messages, but nothing too bad. What actually happened is like the four chan internet sleuths mm-hmm. uh, like found out this the real guy's social media and personal information and all that before they ever got to me. Yeah. So I'm pretty I'm pretty lucky in that regard. Uh, it's a good thing that they didn't just, you know, splurge out on Twitter. Be like, where's this guy's Twitter account? And uh, completely bombard me with DMs and whatnot. But I did, that really didn't happen because they had the real guy before. It, Jesus, the guy above me just stomped. I don't know if you heard that. I, I could hear that. I thought that was Really? Yeah. That might come through on the podcast. Guy just yeah. uh, might be telling me to pipe down. I don't know. 
Maybe. But uh, yeah, he's like, wait a minute, that's the guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, it's just been weird, man. So surreal. Not something like if you're like even just like your name. Uh, if there was another Tyler Anderson or even Ty Anderson that, that committed a crime, it wouldn't be that mind blowing. There's a lot. Of, I'm sure there's a lot of Tyler Andersons out there. There's a picture you know, for Matthew Doloff. Like what the hell? This, yeah. Of course, this is the one gunman that they don't use his middle name. Usually, you use all three names for these people. Mm-hmm. Um, no, of course, no. Hey, hey, oh, it's not a common name. There's only oh, there's only like seven other ones. But um, yeah, one was a murderer. Need, right, yeah. Now I need to take back the Google results for my name. Now, now I don't know what to do. I'm That's thinking of it. saying something just completely outlandish and outrageous about Bill Belichick or something. I might uh, that might be the only way to for me to to grab back the headlines on my name. Yeah, no, that you you need to say like that Belichick uh, is going to retire tomorrow. Say sources are telling you that it's over. He's decided he's going to go home. He's packing it in. It's done. You could say that. You could say Cam Newton is going to convert to running back. There are many bad takes you can just you can just absorb and just take as your own to get your name back. I could say maybe like Jerry Richardson, the former owner of the Panthers, like injected uh, he like poisoned Cam with COVID to to like get back at Belichick. You know, maybe I could say something without uh, you know angering uh, the Patriots fans. My my friend, uh, he he got banned from Wikipedia because he once edited someone's Wikipedia page to say that they gave their children milk poisoning, which I don't really, I don't really know what that is. Is that even a, is that possible? I don't know if that's a thing. I, well, I, if you're lactose intolerant, I guess technically milk poisoning could be a thing. Yeah, we got banned from, uh, from doing, so maybe just do something like that. I don't know. Just, just take ownership for, for it publicly. I'll just poison someone. Yeah. You know, that's not as bad as shooting someone. The most famous Ty Anderson, ironically enough, was a player, uh, was a hockey player from Massachusetts back in like the 1920s. Osborne Ty Anderson. He was from Norway. He, and, uh, but he lived in Linfield, Massachusetts. And oh, so wow. if, if you Google that, you tend to get either me or Anderson, who right. was on the, uh, the Team USA Olympic team in like the 20s or whatever. Um, <laughs> if you go my full name, there's a picture, I, I think, on the Rockies with the same name as me. So uh that's where i'm that's where i land i think i just have to change my name i'm like i think i'm gonna legally make matthias dollhoof official you should do it why not i am but a humble farmer from new hampshire i was tending to the corn and my cousin said hey and he mixed you up with this young boy here i said this here boy is not me you could do that you could also just just disappear off the grid entirely which is something i think about all the time you accuse me of shooting a man in the face I'll stab you with my quill. <laughs> Possible. I mean, it's just so weird, man. I think it's dying down, though. I'm mm-hmm. literally just – I'm not – I haven't seen much of the other craziness on Twitter. I'm sure there's been a lot of craziness with, with the Patriots having a letdown loss and the Bruins continuing to not bring in, uh, like, fresh talent. So I haven't really seen much of the craziness on sports Twitter. Mm-hmm. I've just been, like, searching tweets containing my last name. And there's only, like, 12 a day now. You know, it's not too bad. It's only like once an hour. Yeah, the, the thing you can count on is that uh, we live in hell. So something else that's horrible uh, will happen yeah. probably in about an hour and a half. And you'll be forgotten. You, your name will be like, oh, yeah, that guy. Well, there's this new person now that we don't like. This is the world we live in now. It is uh, quite terrible. I, I, don't, I don't want people getting shot in the face, though. This sucks. <laughs> Like I got feel, you know, has Joe Biden denounced Matt Dolloff yet? I was like, why? Because I, 
Because I criticized Peyton Manning. Why, why the hell would he do that? <laughs> He's a fan of the pod. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just – it's been weird. But, um, I mean, what has, what has sports Twitter been like? Has it been – have you been able to maintain your sanity? Uh, well, you got to keep in mind that I, I really don't go on the Nightmare app uh, unless I just have something to say, and now I just do it, throw it, and get the hell out of there. Um, yeah, people are pissed about the Patriots, and, and, and honestly, understandably so. Winnable game, should have won that game. And, and then you look at what's going on with the Bills, right? The Bills, they, they, they lose to Tennessee after Tennessee had like a month off, basically. And then they lose to Kansas City, and it's like, ugh, if you win that game, the division is, is – you well, know, everyone, I, 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 and, I, and I think that it's still within reach. I'm not saying it's over. No, Obviously, not, they, have, yeah. they have two more games against – they have two games against Buffalo. It's still very much alive. But it would have been, okay, now you just need to take care of your own business and you're going to be fine. There still is that element, yeah. But I think that, that this would have been a, a much better spot, obviously, for the Patriots. And, again, winnable game that, that you know, the Broncos didn't look good. They get field goals all the while. I mean, you gotta, you got to win the game at the stadium. Yeah, I mean, like, I get it that, like, Bill Belichick is so great because he, he is how well-prepared he is and how – what he does when, as he's preparing the team and how they prepare. Mm-hmm. And so if that's taken away from him or he can't do it the way he wants, then it's not going to look as good. So I totally understand that. But, like, I don't know. Are people really using, like, the, the, the lack of practice as, like, a complete excuse? Because, like – No, I, I haven't seen it once. I, I, I've you know, seen Cam it Newton has no one to Cam Newton has no one to blame but himself for catching COVID and not being able to be with the team and all that. So it's like – I don't know. I I refuse to to like use that as a crutch. You know, that's that's a game that you, you got to be Drew Locke. You got to score yeah. more than eighteen points at home against like they're probably one of the worst teams in the league. So, yeah, and a team that's missing its best player, right? Von Miller. He's, yeah, he's Von Miller wasn't even playing, and they had that pass rush. It's like, yeah, and so so that's that, that's a problem. Um, but but also, I mean, if I'm looking at it right, I, I look at it more. The problem for the Patriots in this game. Uh, wasn't the lack of practice time. It's the fact that their offensive line was was, I mean they 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 had all these injuries and they basically did the equivalent of NHL twenty when you just press best lines. They they gave you their best five linemen and they just said Ed, do 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 what you can, yeah. and, and some days that'll work, but but other days it it won't. And and obviously it didn't with this game and they lose Luminor as well. Uh, so you know there, there's they had some injury issues going on there and and the running game wasn't going at all. And so now you're saying, okay, Cam, after in your first start in 19 days, now you gotta you gotta reestablish this connection, this fit, and this passing attack, and it just didn't transpire in a, in a timely enough manner for this team. Yeah, I mean the fact that the Broncos didn't score a touchdown shows how how much they suck on offense. But yeah. like the fact that the Patriots gave up six field goals shows that they weren't great on defense. I mean, it's good that they held them without a touchdown, but. I mean, they gave up some big plays, and they weren't good between the 20s. Broncos mm-hmm. were able to move the ball. And, you know, like if they were if, – if the defense was dominant, the Broncos might – they might have won 12 to 10 or something – or 12 to 9 or something like that, you know? Right. So, I mean, I'm not letting the defense off the hook for that one either. I mean, it's – I get it. If you can't – if you practice like once in two weeks or whatever it is, you're not going to look crisp. And like – but like if that was a better team, they would have gotten completely blown out. So, bad – Bad loss. Now they have to win a game that they're that they're expected to lose. I mean, they you gotta you gotta beat the Ravens or you gotta beat 
Uh, they're going to L.A. to play the Rams. So you got to maybe win that game. you got to beat the Bills twice. Like, something like that has to happen. Yeah. Now, at this ha- point, if they're 6-4 and four after 10 games, that would be amazing. Because, let's see, they're going to beat – they're probably – they're going to beat the Jets. And I'd say they're probably going to beat the Texans, even though that's a road game. Mm-hmm. So, if you beat two, two out of the 49ers, Bills on the road, and the Ravens in the next five games, that would be awesome for them. That would be – Way better than it's looked in the last uh, few games, I would say. Yeah, and I would say if there was one game on their schedule that's becoming more of a challenge than I thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year, and that's the Arizona, Arizona. team. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're, Kyler Murray's looking pretty damn good in terms of the creativity he has, you know, with, with the ball in his hands. I mean, I mean you know, it's, it's Jackson-esque, right? It, it, the, way, the way that he's, that he's moving the ball, watching that game on Monday, seeing him a few before that. Um, he throws the ball better than Lamar Jackson does. So he might yeah, actually so, be better than Lamar. And, and when you have Hopkins and we go back to last year, Hopkins against Gilmore, uh, you know, it, so, so there is a matchup to watch in that game. Uh, that, that game might not be, you know, I pegged it at the end of the year as a, as a win. Uh, I think most people did, but, but now I'm looking at it saying, Oh, well, if that team puts up 28, can the Patriots put up 29? You know, that's sort of the problem now that you might be running into. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I see that game as like sort of what you're uh, what you're sort of falling into here, which is which is the, the trap of all oh, the overhyped team. How are they going to stop this offense? They come in and they don't do anything. And it's like Bill Belichick completely stymies that passing attack. I think they're they match up well defensively because they have the secondary and they'll mm-hmm. cover those receivers well, I think. And they'll they'll do stuff to confuse Kyler Murray that his his mobility might be an issue because that's always an issue. But yeah. um, case in point, did you see what Mike Florio tweeted about Kyler Murray that I mentioned that I brought up yesterday or the other day on on. No, I, I I did not. This this happens every year, every single year with these with these, uh, admittedly talented, but like getting a little bit ahead of ourselves with these uh, hyped quarterbacks. I'm gonna try to do a I'm gonna try to half-ass an impression of Mike Florio here. Kyler Murray has a combination of speed, agility, and awareness that the NFL has never before seen. I don't know how good that was, but um, he's yeah, he is. He sounds so whiny with everything he says, but um, yeah, Mike Florio. Never the NFL's never seen a player like this. He said like the exact same thing about Lamar Jackson last year. Well, I don't know if he said the exact. He said Lamar Jackson might be better than Mahomes. Like every year, the next the next guy is like oh. This guy's the, the biggest thing we've ever seen. And, I mean, I think Mahomes has lived up to the hype. I think Lamar Jackson's taken a bit of a step back. Mm-hmm. And we'll see with Kyler Murray. I mean, I don't think he's going to come into Gillette Stadium and, and win. If Assuming that COVID is finally in the rearview mirror and the Patriots can have a normal week of practice, I think, first of all, they're going to beat the 49ers this week as long as COVID doesn't get in the way. And then maybe they won't be able to beat the Bills on the road. Maybe they won't. I think I think they're going to play well defensively against the Bills, but I guess we'll see how it goes on the road. Uh, Ravens is going to be a tough matchup, and um, yeah, I mean if they're six and four after ten going into that Cardinals game, I'll I'll feel pretty damn good about them. Uh, if they're five and five, I'll have a, a good I'll have a good feeling that they're going to go over five hundred against Kyler Murray because I think that's going to be that's going to be the classic. Oh no, here comes the big bad Cardinals offense, so explosive, and then Bill Belichick does the Bill Belichick thing. Which I know yeah. that's a weird week to be saying that because he obviously wasn't on his A game yesterday or Sunday, and uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Not good. Not uh, the first time they're two and three since two thousand one. So yeah, the, it's understandable the, the, for people to be a little nervous and uh, think that they might need to be adding some weapons because they're getting nothing out of Nikhil Harry. Julian Edelman looks almost 
completely done, which is unfortunate. So I don't know what they're going to do. I would say this though, like, so, so my doubts when it comes to how they would match up against Murray really comes down to the fact that they've sort of failed these tests over the last two years. I, I, I think against Watson, against Jackson, this year against uh, Russell Wilson, obviously Wilson and Mahomes are like the class of, the, of this kind of, this kind of discussion of quarterbacks who can make plays with their feet and, and, and their arm. Uh, but they, they, the defense hasn't looked good against, against these kind of quarterbacks for, for almost two years now. So, so that's where my sort of doubt comes in and says, okay, well, this might, might be a difficult matchup for them. So mm-hmm. to your point, yeah, they could flip it and, and finally adjust, but I'm looking at the recent sample saying, these kind of quarterbacks tend to have good games against them. You know, that dual threat quarterback tends to get the better of Belichick uh, and Mayo in this defense for the last, for the last year and a half, it seems. That's true. I think if they sell out to keep Kyler Murray in the pocket and make him pick them apart through the air, and then they have the tight man coverage, I think that could maybe make it hard for them. The thing with the Ravens and yeah, Lamar Jackson was awesome in that game last year. Mm-hmm. against the Patriots but they also have John Harbaugh who's like one of the only coaches who's able to like pretty consistently go toe-to-toe with Bill Belichick in the coaching and preparation and execution department and so like they took it they took it to the Patriots they weren't scared of them at all and you know they, they, they asserted themselves and I think that they'll be confident that they can do that again what are you smirking about what's going on no, I'm just laughing now at the idea of like that that because you're right about Harbaugh. Now, now I'm trying to. And well, is Cliff Kingsbury going to come in saying. and do like, that? I'm, I'm That's the sit question. Here and try to tell you that Cliff Kingsbury is going to be that guy. That was where I was leading to. So yeah, yeah. yeah the, the the 68 overall quarterback on like Madden 03 is going to come in. Have here. you heard him? He sounds like Butthead. No, I've never heard him. <laughs> kind of looks like him. What did you see on that on that touchdown to Christian Kirk? Yeah, uh, he like had him deep down the field. <laughs> did you like? Uh, did you like? Did you watch the Sunday football game between the 49ers and the Rams? Uh, sort of. I like had it on. It's ter- it was a terrible game. But anyways, like they, they did this thing where at halftime they were like, they were like uh, they asked the players on each team to describe their coach. And it was like Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, and it was like the, the it was like the words that are bigger were described the most, and it was like swag. And I was like, Ugh, I can't think of anything I would use to describe Sean McVay other than that. Like. That's I think the I last saw, word I would land they, on. Do they do that every week? I feel like I saw that, I, but I it might have been a different so. game. Yeah, I think maybe this week I noticed it because it was, uh, you know, it was like the, the two young coaches of the future, basically, according to the NFL. Uh, that whole division is full of those coaches, huh? Between Kingsbury, right, right. McVay, and Shanahan, and, and well, Dennis Pete Carroll. Who's just and then he had the lunatic. oldest coach in the league. So I lo- he's Dallas a lunatic, and I love him. Uh <laughs> I used to be like, this guy's a tool. Now I'm like, he's so out of his mind that I actually love it. Yeah, he's like the crazy science, the eccentric science teacher that's like running around talking like a maniac the whole class. Chewing an entire pack of gum at once. Yeah. <laughs> he's never only had two pieces. Oh, no. He's the kind Dude, of person, he has two, two whole packs. He's the kind of person that like, if you're around him, you hide the fact that you have gum. Because he's like, hey, can I get a yeah. pack? You're like, no, dude, I only have this one pack. He's like, yeah, can I get a pack? <laughs> can I get, dude, I only have one pack. I'm like, all right, thanks. He just takes it out of your head. Oh, I got to tell you this. This is so random, but, but I used to hate when I would be in high school and I would have a pack of gum and I would, like, take it out and try to have a piece. Next thing you know, you got seven jackals around you saying, hey, can I have a piece of gum? And it's like, oh, cool. There goes my entire pack of gum now. Thanks, a guys. A bunch of hyenas walking around the corner. Oh my! So it's, it Little was munchkins popping up from behind the bushes. 
I, I, yeah, there are certain people in my life that I know not to open a pack of gum around because I know they're going to ask for a pieces. And I'm just like, nah. yeah, the price of gum has gone up, baby. I can't, I know. I can't be giving away a whole pack here. Yeah. You can't be like, yeah, you can't just be like being just handing it out like the Eucharist to the body <laughs> of Christ and yeah. just like go and buy a new pack every day. That's going to add up. What, yeah. So what, what was your school's uh, gum policy? They, they let you chew gum because my, my school was like, for whatever reason, an amazingly strict no gum policy. And if you got yeah. caught with gum, you like immediately had to throw it out, take the pack out and throw the whole pack out. People got detentions over like flouting the, you know, violating the gum policy after being told or being warned. So what, did I, you have to sneak around with the gum like it was contraband? No, we, we, I went to school in Billerica. Uh They were just happy that we were actually going to school. Oh, what, does yeah, what does that I, mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Does that mean that no, well, we had we had a lot of weird uh, issues in our school. I remember gum never being one of them. We had one year where there was like, in like the first like thirty days of school, there was like forty five fights, and it was just like, <laughs> what is going on? It was just like it was like Fight Club had come to life. Uh, so I think they were more worried about people not hitting each other in the face uh, than they were who had gum in their mouth. But yeah. I I was able because I I like so like I had the I had the fake front teeth. Um, because I lost my two front teeth when I fell. And uh, that year I got to basically do whatever I wanted because I was just like, Oh, I need this for my, my, my mouth. Sorry. Like, like, <laughs> there you go. I was just like, I would like hide gum, like in my, in my cheek, basically. It was great. It was great. It was really weird. You ever seen lean on me? The movie with Morgan Freeman? No, I have not. Oh man. Watch it. Must see. It's one of those like underrated eighties movies. I just, I thought of it because it's about like a, a, it's like a high school principal coming in and like, you know, turning things around and like getting people to stop doing drugs and fighting. And there's all kinds of racial tension and stuff. I just thought of it because the first scene in the movie, there, well, there's like a flashback intro. And then the first scene in like the present day is everybody just fighting each other on the first day of school. And like a, a teacher gets his head slammed against the, the, the floor for merely trying to intervene in a fight and guys get stabbed. And it's like, yeah, it's crazy. You should watch it. But Morgan Freeman is like a classic character. Principal Joe Clark. You should, you should look into that. Our principal jumped a guardrail, basically, to break up a fight. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was, Morgan Freeman jumped. might literally do that in this movie. Yeah, he like jumps a guardrail and it's like a seven-foot drop, and he comes in and just breaks up this fight. It was pretty wild. I, I, just, I just remember that. And then like they, they hit the point where like they doubled the suspensions for people who were fighting because there were so many fights. It went from being like a five-day suspension to like a 10 or like 12-day suspension. It was something crazy. You're only, allowed, you're only allowed to miss like 15 days of school a year. So like yeah. it was pretty wild. There, wasn't, there weren't many fights at North Andover High when I was there, but there was one like infamous feud that went on. There was like a group of uh, Russian kids, like uh, Russian-Americans. And yeah. I have one friend who's Russian who somehow didn't fall in with this gang really. But, like, they, they fancied themselves, like, the Russian mob, basically. They would, like, all wear leather leather jackets and, like, a plain white shirt and, like, walking around with their hair slicked back, acting like they were the mob, and you had to fear them or respect them or whatever. And uh, I think eventually one of this other kid I know, like, who was basically the toughest kid in our class, just went and beat the crap out of their, like, muscle. <laughs> yeah. He completely kicked and his ass. The and then the, as they were dragging him away, he started going, USA, USA. <laughs> Dude, the only thing that was missing was someone starting to play uh, Hulk Hogan's music on their little MP3 player. Uh, it's like been. that Always Sunny with, with yeah. Frank as the trash man. Yeah. 
I think one kid was like, it was a, one kid was like a little awkward and like bullied a little bit because he was a little weird. Told one of them to just go back to Russia, and that <laughs> that got him jumped. And then, but then eventually, eventually, like the kids agreed above them all, just you know, gang ganged up on him and beat the shit out of all of them. And mm-hmm. so I think that was the end of that. Yeah, that was the end of the Russian mafia. I had a friend who got in trouble for sexual harassment, but it really wasn't sexual harassment. This oh girl, this girl had like a boyfriend who like wanted to fight my friend, and the girl, the girlfriend started laying to my friend. And my friend just goes, hey, "You seem tense. Why don't you go get a massage or something?" And then she ran to the front office crying, saying that he threatened to massage her. Which I was like, "No, that's not what happened. That never happened." It, it was it was pretty wild. Uh, pretty wild times that year. The guy got fired. No, 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 no. He no, it was my friend. He didn't. He didn't get. He was a student. He. I mean, I didn't get fired from oh, school. Oh, I thought it was a teacher. Uh, no, that'd be sick, though, if you can get fired from school. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, ruined, you're suspended. Your Go sit at home for a week. That just ruined right. your life for, at the age of 16. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so that happened. But, uh, but, yeah, no, we didn't have anything like that. Where are we with this? Where are we going? What was the point of this conversation? Uh, it started with uh, the gum policy at school, and then it turned oh, into yeah. – then it turned into uh, racial tension, beating the crap out of each other, and then it turned into sexual harassment. So yeah. I guess we can go like the, to the next uh, phase, which I don't know what I don't even want to know what that is actually. No, we got to close the door on this topic. Got any any teacher student relationships you want to talk about? <laughs> nope, but I I I we all had that teacher who everyone tried to hit on, and that was not a good time. That was a really awkward yeah. thing. Can't get away with today. Yeah, we had a few of those and a few rumors. Nothing I know for concrete, though. Nothing I know for sure. But, um, yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break here, 15 seconds, and we'll be right back. Let's, let's talk hockey because I wanted to – I wanted to, I got to get into the Bruins as we do every week. Oh, man. Um, is, the, is the off season a total bust yet? Because I know, I know we sort of went to war with, with Bruins Twitter uh, when it was like it was like 14 minutes into the free agency and everyone was acting like everything was ruined and I was just like guys please I'm begging you I'm literally on my knees begging you to 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 be a little patient because it like it wasn't like everybody had been signed at that point there were still plenty of options out there so um but uh, yeah, now so- now the options are, are low I don't know if Mike Hoffman's actually signed yet but I feel like he's their only real option as far as bringing someone outside bring someone in from the outside who could play on the top six. So I don't know if he's still out there, but what, what are their options? What is it? What do you think? I need the, the, the top six forward thing has yet to be solved is what it feels like. Yeah. So Hoffman really is the only option out there. Um, there are some other guys out there. I mean, Anthony Duclair is still there. Um, Mikhail Grandlin's still there, but I, I don't really think those guys are much of an upgrade of what you have with Jake DeBrusque and Andres Bjork. So I, I think that if, if they're your options, you may as well just ride with DeBrusque and, and hope that he finds chemistry like he, like he did in a year ago. Um, so, yeah, Hoffman's probably their, their best, their only option. Uh, what about Evgeny Dodonov? Is he still out there? No, he went to Ottawa. He, did a, uh, he, oh, he signed Jesus. with Ottawa, so he's, he's off the board. Everyone um, in the Atlantic is getting better, and the Bruins are treading water. That's what it feels like. So, I mean, maybe so, you could argue they got a little bit better because, well, no. I don't think losing Tory Krug and adding Craig Smith tech really made you better. Um, no, if anything, it gets, they got better in the areas they need to get better in, like five on five with with Craig Smith. That's why I like that. Sign- I, I really like that signing. Mm-hmm. But like, he can't be like their big move. 
I have te- friends texting me on the day of the signs. Like, is that going to be their, is that their big move? I was like, I hope not. You know? Yeah. A it, really it, good move, but it can't be it. I mean, he, listen, he's their most consistent scorer off that first line. So I'm okay with that. Like, if that's your big move, great. But I don't want him to be billed to me as, as a top-line guy because he's not. You know, that's, that's what I don't want to happen. Who said he's a top-line guy? No, I'm saying – that's what I'm saying. If they're going to put him on their first line, I don't like that. But if they put him on their second or third, Jesus. I like that. That's I better. I hope not. But do, you, but do you have an idea that they might do that? They might out of the gate without, without Pasternak available. And, and oh, well, I mean, assuming everyone's back and healthy. Yeah, I, I think – but I, I, I look at this roster, and the, the biggest concern for me is just – I, I don't think that their defense is going to be good enough. Uh, and that's what concerns me. Uh, that left side with, with, without Krug, I mean, and with Chara sort of up in the air right now, your options are John Moore, Lozon, who's played the right side almost his entire pro career here in Boston, uh, Zaboral, Vakaninen, and Grizzlick. And, and that's, you know, it almost feels, it feels similar to, you know, the, the Red Sox going into the year without a good rotation or without, without, or the, uh, the Celtics going in the year without a big man. The Patriots yeah. going in without, without right receivers. It's like, yeah, you can adjust on the fly, but that's a little bit harder to do. If, if, you, if that's a black hole on your team, you're not going to solve that overnight, and that, that's a problem for them. So they tried. Listen, the, the Coyotes weren't, weren't negotiating from reality when, when they were talking to the Bruins. They wanted them to take the whole contract. Uh, they, they, want, uh, they wanted a first-round pick. They wanted to take on the whole contract, and they wanted some of your top prospects. You can't have all three. You know, if, if you're a team at the Coyotes and you have no leverage and you're just trying to ditch the contract, you cannot get top return and save money. You have to right. do one or the other. And they weren't willing to do that. And the Bruins said, all right, we'll piss off then. Uh, and, and I think the Nate Schmidt trade that happened with Vancouver and Vegas, I do believe that that was by design in the sense that I don't think that was a straight-up bidding war. For, for Nate Schmidt uh, because they could have gotten more than a third-round pick. I think that was Vegas helping Nate Schmidt and saying, where do you want to go? We'll send you here. Yeah. You know, and, and so I, I think that was more of a, a – a, I mean, they're in division. You know, you're not going to send one of your better defensemen to a division rival for a third-round pick unless, right. they, unless you're trying to do a favor for the guy because you respect him and you That's, appreciate what he's done. Right. So That's the like, only explanation for a move like that. Yeah, so so they've had some misses. At the same time, I don't think all of the misses that we talk about are legit their fault, so to speak. But I do think that they missed on Hall. Uh, I don't think that they, you know, the report from Elliot Friedman was that they they told him that they had to clear money first. So you're telling me that you're not going to sign Taylor Hall because you got to clear, you got to find a taker for Nick Ritchie and John Moore. That sucks. That is such a bitter pill to swallow if you're a Bruins fan that you couldn't add this guy because the, the GM had to focus first on ditching these contracts. Like, that yeah. sucks. I, I don't know how much Taylor Hall really cares about winning, choosing the Buffalo Sabres. Mm-hmm. Like, you go, you go to the Colorado Avalanche or, you know, if Dallas wants you, you go there. You go to one of those teams. What the hell? Buffalo hasn't done anything. I think he just wants to play with Jack Eichel and pad his stats, you know, score a hundred points and then, and then go back out next year and get, get a, the, the big long-term deal from some sucker team. That's what I think happened with Taylor Hall. You know, if Buffalo had a goalie, I'd, I'd like, I'd actually like their team a little bit between, because you, you add Hall and you, you have Eric Stahl, you have Eichel. This might be the best team that they've iced in 
in quite a while, which I know isn't saying much, but I don't but, dislike the Sabres. I've, I've liked them for a few years now too. And the, the defense, but like Darlene and Ristolainen, like especially yeah. if they, those guys blossom plus those forwards, like they have, they have talent. It's just, I'm just looking at the results and it's like, what have you, what have you done to warrant Taylor Hall saying I went here over the Bruins or one of these other contending teams because I want to win. That just, it, that comment stunk. <laughs> I don't think I smelled a rat with that one. Yeah, I would say that uh, I, I would say that I'm, I have a working theory here, and, and it's just this is just me. It's not, you know, there's no sources or anything like this telling me this. I, I part of me thinks that the Bruins are not going to spend to the cap this year for a few reasons. Uh, one of which being the compressed schedule. So I have a feeling that they're going to do a lot of shuffling in and out of in and out of uh, between Providence and the NHL. Uh, keeping their guys fresh, keeping you know, it's gonna be bumps and bruises again. Right. They, they, and they signing wanna... and signing Coleman and and Sinition and and all those guys is indicative of that. Those guys yeah. are gonna be up and down all season. Exactly, and then you have, uh, you, you know, you also have the the fact that, you know, you you might you might have to do a a, a division based schedule, um, which makes that kind of shuffling easier. Um, but there's also the the LTIR effects of of Pasternak and Marshan, you can put them on LTR to begin the year, um, but that money will have to come back on the books. And they, they the Bruins just split an overage this year uh, between this year and next year. So um, I think they're they're mindful of that. They don't want that to to be become a pattern here because it will affect your overall cap space. Uh, but the other part of it, and and look at what's happening with Delaware North, right? And, and Delaware North just had massive layoffs at their corporate offices in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, they, they've Jacobs just put his eleven million dollar uh, condo in New York City on the market. They just sold the casino that they bought for one hundred eighty million dollars less than ten years ago for one hundred and twenty. So they just took a sixty million dollar loss on a casino. And Delaware North, they make the the bulk of their money is off stadium events, off arenas, yeah, you know, concessions. That's what they are. They're a concession venue company, exactly. whatever you want to call that. This isn't you know some tech guys fancy toy this no. is how they've made their money and there hasn't been any events at any of these arenas basically you know not consistently anyways for about nine months now so so you know what their bottom line is being affected here so i do wonder if there's been a memo saying hey guys you know let's spend internally here but any outside purchases let's try to keep them to a minimum and i think that sweeney sort of alluded to that uh not directly obviously but but when they at, he was asked last weekend do you think you guys are done? He says, we're always looking at depth. And I'm like, Ugh, okay, so depth for agents, that's what they're going to do. They don't want to spend money right now. And I think a part of it is keeping that cap number low uh, in terms of managing call-ups, call-downs, LTIR management, all that. But uh, the other part of it makes me wonder, though, if the losses here restricted them from saying, day one of free agency, goes, go get me Taylor Hall for $8 million. You know, I, I do wonder if that was the thing. I think that is the case. I, I, I know you want to dance around it. We've got to be careful here. We don't want to speak out of turn. I don't, I, I don't know for sure. I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. I don't think uh, – I think people are paying attention. No, that's what's going on. So, but, yeah, I mean – I don't want to say it. It's that I say these things, then people run with them like I'm saying it's gospel. And I'm like, this is my theory. I don't know right. if this is true. No, I get it. I get it. It's just a theory. It's not, we don't know for sure. Yeah. But, um, I mean – yeah, I get. I guess that's why the, the the Craig Smith signing is something that, that might reflect as like a, he'll 
I see him as a, he's like a perfect like replacement guy on the in the top six if you need him like if you need it in a pinch someone's injured like the Pasternak situation and you got to temporarily move him up to the first line or second line then I'm fine with that but they're at their best when he's just parked next to Charlie Coyle on on the third line and they find someone else to fill the void on the top six and it's just it just seems like they're going to hope that someone pans out. Maybe Stanika takes that spot. I guess that's not out of the realm of possibility, right? Second line, right wing, Stanika. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you, you, you sort of have to reset their depth chart after all these signings and see where these guys slot in. Um, I, I know the Bruins are – they're pretty pleased with Stanika in terms of they know he's ahead of where they thought he would be. Um, whether that translates to him being in the open night lineup I think the Smith signing kind of complicates that a little bit. Also, he has options. So you may as well use the options while you can. You know, he can still go down to the minors. So send him down to the minors. Uh, yeah. You know, Sinitian is a different story, right? That he signed a two-way contract. And, and I think people are kind of they're spoiled by video games here. And they, and they think he can go down to waivers. No, no, he still has to go through waivers uh, to go down to Providence. So he needs to make the team out of camp to avoid going on waivers um so so you may you may give him a run and you begin the year with Kuhlman and Stanika in Providence because you can they have again they have options Sinishin doesn't so maybe Sinishin gets a call in, in a in a middle six role out of the gate because well it's sink or swim time if, if you suck you're going on waivers but if you if you're good well you found something here you know so they have a lot of options I just think this year is going to be tricky in terms of getting them all you know in that opening night lineup Yet another guy that they re-signed is Jakob Zaborl, who we've been talking about as a guy that this is like a make-or-break year for him. But now I guess it's a make-or-break next two years or three years, however long they signed him. And, yeah, just to circle back to the defense, I think the fact that they were trying to get Oliver Ekman-Larsen tells them that they know in the next, like, uh, two, three years at least, they have they have a hole at the top of their left side defense. So if they don't get someone like Ekman-Larsen in there, that they're going to have to go through a sort of a rebuilding period or retooling or, you know, just see what they have with, with the young guys. And I think the fact that whatever – I don't know exactly what Don Sweeney said about or who it was even that said about Matt Grizzlick, we think he could play a bigger role. Mm-hmm. Tells me that he's, he's going, they're going to try him as the top pair and guy. He's going to be him and McAvoy on the top pair. And I think the fact that they haven't re-signed Char yet tells him that internally they've said, go find where you can play more of a role because we're going to – we're not really interested in it. It's time to move on. That's what I think is going on with Chara. I think they're ready to embrace uh, the old youth movement over there. But, um, but yeah, it's going to be a rebuilding period, and it's going to be uh, a period filled with question marks on, on the left side of defense. But, I mean, Chara is 43 years old, and he looked every bit his age in the playoffs. Say you replace Chara with Fakanainen. He comes in, he plays, he start, he plays like a big role for the first time in his career. Not necessarily top pair, but maybe he plays second pair with Brandon Carlo. And they get faster. They, they become better skaters. He, might, he obviously lacks the experience and the savvy and all that stuff. Maybe he's not ready to kill penalties at the NHL level yet. But they, he's, he's going to be a better skater than Chara. And he's probably a little better offensively, at least moving the puck up ice, that, that Chara would be at this stage of his career, which – who knows how much he's even going to play anymore. So, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not totally off board. Like, like we're, we all talked about how old Charles looks during the playoffs, and now it's like a disaster that he might play somewhere else next year. Like, I'm, I'm okay with sort of transition, I, I, you know, at this point. I want, I want him back. I want him back. I, I do think that 
there's still more in the tank. Um, I don't think that the, the four months off helped him at all. I think it, I think it really hurt him probably more than anyone else. Um, People like him, older guys. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, you know, I, I think there's still some, some juice left in the tank. I don't think it's as a top pairing guy, but again, I've said this before on here and, and I, I truly believe this, that if you go into next year and he's on your second pairing with Brandon Carlo, I like that pairing because it's going to make Carlo have to take more chances offensively. Like he just first year. I think he's, he's, he needs to start doing that more. He needs to learn how to walk the blue better. I, I do think that, that it will be better for the Bruins if their second pairing next year is Daniel Chara and Brandon Carlo. I truly believe that. And then you go with the Grizzly-McAvoy pairing. You can switch them every now and then if you want to. Uh, but I, I, I do think that that is sort of where this team – I think that would be a better look than saying, hey, John Moore and Brandon Carlo, you're now the second pairing. You know, no, 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 no. I, I not, think, not John Moore, but Vakanainen no, or Lozon. That's going to be Vakanainen or Lozon in that spot if it's not Char. But I think that you and I are saying that. I don't necessarily oh, know if, if, if the coaching staff believes that. And I go back to last year when Vakanainen was in here in training camp, Bruce Cassidy got on him. He got on him for not practicing well. He, he said, you know, you're not gotta, practicing well. For not practicing well. Saboro makes the team out of camp, but he played two games two years ago and he looked terrible in them. So, you hope that's changed. It's just I, I don't know if these guys would have the trust of the coaching staff to, to say, okay, now you're second pairing guy. So you may get John Moore in your second pair, which I don't think you want. So I don't want that, no. If it's Chara or John Moore, then bring Chara back. Yeah, and, and, and I, think that, I think that this defense could use Chara's voice and leadership for one more year before – it's officially McAvoy's blue line. I yeah. do believe that. No, if they bring him back for another one-year deal, I wouldn't be against it per se. And if it's like the, what you're saying, they're gonna we're gonna transition you to the second pair, and we're gonna reduce your minutes uh, on a night-to-night basis. You'll kill penalties and play second pair. So like you might play 20 minutes, but that's it. And yeah, I'd be okay with like sort of phasing him out in that regard because it would be a bit of a it would be a rougher transition if he just leaves and they have to all of a sudden insert someone young or God forbid, John Moore. Like, I really hope that's not the plan. I hope they're embracing the youth and trying Vakanainen or even uh, Lozon or even Zaboral in that, in that spot. I think the fact that they're keeping Zaboral around for two more years says that they're going to give him a real shot to, to play. I think, I think at this point they're, they're like, all right, we couldn't get Ekman Larson at the price we wanted. So we're just going to transition here. We're going to go with the kids. See what they got. We're going to embrace some growing pains. But um, I don't know. If Charlie McAvoy takes another step forward, and he's, he, he's played like a true number one a lot, but if he does it on a night-to-night basis and he sort of unlocks uh, some untapped potential offensively, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean they, might, they might have enough. I don't know. It's not, not a championship defense per se, but I don't know. They might be able to survive uh, a rough transition there going, going super young on, on the left side. I don't know. You seem way more pessimistic about those prospects. and Because I, I, I feel like they're doing that everywhere. I feel like they're sort of doing that with, at forward two, top six. They're hoping Bjork or someone takes a step forward. Maybe DeBrus turns into a 60, 70-point guy like, ho- like we're hoping. But mm-hmm. um, I think they're embracing it uh, up and down the lineup. But uh, on defense, I'd be okay with it. I don't know. You seem scared. You're yeah, scared. I just, I, I just I don't know how good these guys are. You know, uh, and, and listen, when I saw – when Carlo and McAvoy came on the scene when they were 19 years old, watching them, I went, wow, these, these guys can play. Yeah. 
I when I watched Zaboro play for the first time, I went, "Holy shit, this guy is terrified." He was, <laughs> and it was a regular. It was a Friday night game on the road, and I think Arizona or Dallas. It wasn't like it was a high pressure situation. Dallas, I remember, yeah. Yeah, and, and I was like, "Oh my god, he looks terrified right now." And you know who else made his debut that night? Was Connor Clifton? Connor Clifton. Yeah, he came and out of he, nowhere. And he t- took it and ran with it. And, and it just speaks to me that just between the years, you know, the between the years part of it that I think is important for a defenseman, especially in this division. You look at the competition you'll be playing Tampa, Toronto. And, and if we do a divisional format here where it's all regional based, you're going to add the Flyers, the Penguins, and the Rangers to it. So that's, that's, a, that's a damn strong division if we're going to do regional based division. So that part of it is a little bit – it makes me nervous because I don't know if these guys have the mental or the, or, or the, the, you know, the, the smarts here to pick up a top four role out of the gate. And, and I just think that this year, with everything going on, this next season coming up, I don't know if you can afford to give these guys a 40-game run and say, all right, we're still alive. I just don't know if they're that good. I really don't. Lady is scaring us. Have some more sloppy Joes. I think we're going to have some sloppy Joes on that defense. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick 15-second break. We'll be right back. Yeah, you're scaring me with the uh, with the left side of the defense, especially with the John Moore talk. Like, I feel like if they're, if they're not going to put him on the second pairing, then I feel like they'll definitely put him on the third pairing. And I, I want to see – I'm, I'm good. I think they're good with McAvoy, Carlo Clifton on the right side. I think they're really good there. And I want to see Vakanainen or Lozon in that spot. I really don't want to see John Moore. I'm, 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 I'm done with him at this point. Like, I, know he, I know he's not a horrible person or anything. We don't, have to, we don't have to run him out of town. But, like, I don't get the fascination, honestly. No, and he's been here now for two years. Uh, and he's played less than 100 games. He gave him a five-year deal. You know, I mean, that that's sort of says it all, right? That yeah. when you signed him, he was your fourth best left shot defenseman. You've since lost Tori Krug and Chara might be gone. And I would still say that he's probably your third or fourth best left shot defenseman. Like it, it's, Ugh. you know, the trajectory is not there. It just doesn't make any sense. And, and I thought for sure, to be honest with you, I thought for sure he was going to be one of these guys traded in this off season when, you look at what was happening uh, leading up to the start of free agency in the draft. Gabranson gets moved. Uh, Jack Johnson gets bought out. Um, there was another defenseman. I, I'm, I slipped my mind right now. He got traded, I believe, to Ottawa. Um, oh, God, I, it's going to bother me. I can't remember. I don't know. But, but you, saw, you saw a veteran defenseman being moved for, for almost nothing. Team just wanted out of the contract. And – Maybe you can't move John Moore because he has three more years left on his contract, which is just crazy to me. You gave him a five-year deal. Was anyone else going to give him a five-year deal? Was anybody else in the market for a five-year deal for John Moore? Yeah, who wants an established, uh, you know, seventh defenseman at two million or two and a half million or whatever it is for three years? Nobody, nobody wants that. No, and and, and the other part of it that's frustrating because we're talking about the defense here, and, and I just want to get to this, is that the. And I like Kevin Miller. I like him a lot. I think, I think he provides a snarl and a nasty that you want on your back end. I'm sticking with this. They've missed him the last couple of years. Yes, yes, they absolutely have. And he was getting better as a skater and as an offensive threat. He, he, was, he was trending upward. He hasn't played since April 2019. And on, and on the equivalent of July 1st, they go out and make him priority, and they give him a contract for over a million dollars upwards 
it could be worth up to $2 million. The cap hits 1.25. They gave this guy more than league minimum while being a cap team. They gave him more than Joe Thornton is getting, more than Jimmy Vesey is getting. Almost twice as much as Joe Thornton. And, and it's like, yeah, they're different kinds of players. I understand that. But Th- Joe Thornton has played in the last year. Kevin Miller hasn't. That alone, that, that alone, Kevin Miller should not be making $1.25 million. If his team is going to be a budget team and they're going to tell players, oh, we can't sign you because we've got to move out money first, then you can't sign that guy on the first day of free agency for $1.25 million. And then Kevin Miller's on a conference call and he goes, oh, do you have any other offer? He goes, oh, no one else called me. So who are you bidding against? Who are you bidding against to give him that kind of money? I get it. You respect him. You like him. He's done a lot. He's done a lot for your team. He, he, you know, he's been a good soldier. You don't need to financially reward him like that. Give him a league minimum contract and a bad market, and you say, hey, if you work your way back, you can make up two million bonuses. Why am over a million dollars? He hasn't played in a year and a half. It's just that's that. These are the things that can undo a team more than you know, just as much as the backers contract can. These kind of things can undo your team and your cap structure. Right. You don't want to overdo that stuff. It just feels like they're, I don't know, feels like throwing good money after bad. Do you think there's a, is there any possibility that Kevin Miller would play on the left side? Do you think that's, that's a possibility? He's done it before. Um, I don't think he's effective, as effective on that. I mean, it doesn't really matter, I guess, for his style of play, but he's been better on the right. Um, I, I just think that right side is pretty crowded now between you know, Lausanne, if he plays there, Clifton uh, and Miller. Uh, so he's got his work cut out for him. He says he's going to be ready for, for the start of the season. I mean, we'll see. Uh, but that signing is just, you know, we're talking about a youth movement, right? And then they do that. That's the complete it, it, opposite. It, yeah. Exactly. So it's sort of speaking on both sides of your mouth here. And, and that's the frustration I think people have with the Bruins. Um, as a whole right now is that they see this opportunity, this window here, and, and you know, the offseason is not over. I mean, maybe they just swing a trade. Maybe, maybe Mike Hoffman is still kicking around in, in December and you can sign him for $3 million instead of $6 million. Um, w- in which case, if you can, you have no excuse not to, not to pull the trigger and get him. Uh, but we'll see. But, but it, it's an incomplete picture right now. The best way you can describe his team is an incomplete picture right now. Yeah, I mean, assuming that the, there's no like, there is no like mandate from ownership to to say, but do you think they're still just trying to like scoop their way out of cap jail here because they got rid of the Bacchus contract, but they're I don't know, maybe they're sort of transitioning into a new phase because they're they have Tuca has one more year, Krejci I think one maybe I don't know one or two more years. You know, may, are they, do you think they're just waiting to be able to shed these contracts and then sort of go through a whole new round of of long term deals? and hopefully save some money. I mean, it feels like that, right? That, that if they're going to keep Krejci and Rask beyond this upcoming season, both of whom are free agents or top two contracts, I, I think you're going to see a pay cut for both those guys. If not, they just move on entirely. So uh, I, I've circled sort of the Pekka Rene deal in Nashville as Tuka Rask's next deal. Uh, Pekka signed, I believe it was a two year deal for five and a half million or five around there. So he took a slight uh, – he took about a million and a half dollar a year pay cut, which is what I think Tuka will have to do on this next contract, barring him going out and pulling a 2013 and winning another Vezina and being the best goalie in the NHL again, uh, which he did his last contract year. Uh, but, but we'll see. I mean, it, it's, it's – these, these, this is sort of the crossroads that this franchise has been talking about for a while now where 
you know, key parts of their franchise are maybe be on the way out. If they signed Tuca to what, another long-term deal, like even like Tuca himself alluded to, that yeah. might finally be it for Bruins Twitter. Might, the Bruins Twitter universe might finally collapse on itself if, that's, if that happens. Right. Right. I, no, it's true. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, I, I mean, I, I, what were think the reactions? That, what were the reactions like to that? Was it Steve Conroy who did the, the, the interview with him? I forget if that was, if I think I was on vacation when that happened. That was it, last week, it right? Was, it was the predictable bullshit of, uh, of, well, but still it's like, well, okay. Then you're just never going to be happy. Then I don't know what to tell you, you, you know, and, and, I, I, just I guarantee think, most of these people that bitch on Twitter don't have kids and, or, or at least have never been in like God, an emergency. You'd, you'd hope not. Yeah. <laughs> you'd really hope not. Seriously. Uh, um, and yeah, their no. idea of golf is like, I'm going to gamble with my buddies or we're going to, you know, smoke cigars and drink a bunch of beer. Like that's just their idea. Like golf is not the same for everybody. Not every activity is the same for everybody. Yeah. It's just people that have a certain perspective. I think that, that are still ripping Tuca. And like, I get it. It's not a, that what I said when he opted out, it's like, it's not, this isn't a normal decision. So I have no choice, but to assume that's, that not everything is right mentally. And then there's not everything's right within his family. So he needs to take care of that first mm-hmm. and foremost, you know? Yeah. Which is, which is, uh, which is, you know, that, 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 that is how it should be. I, I think if you're a, a, a sane human being, that's your take is that, well, all right. His family was, uh, was, he had a sick member of his family, took care of it. And that was more important than a, a, a bubble tournament in Toronto, whatever. If you can't accept that, you're just, you, 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 you think that sports, the most important thing in the world, which is just not the case. It's just not the case. I'm sorry. It's never yeah. been the case for anybody with, a, with anybody with a, you know, with, with a brain. It's just, sorry. No. Not at all. It's that if you're if you're spending an inordinate amount of time complaining about really anything on Twitter, mm-hmm. other than how bad Twitter is, then you, you know you're not you're not a mentally stable human being. And I hope you get the help you need. That's what I would say to those yeah. people. You know, I would say that to me when you see me having my uh, my occasional meltdown. It's like I don't know. you know. No, I I noticed I noticed the people that reach out and uh, re- reach out with well wishes and the people that don't, you know, and the people that say the opposite. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. Uh, I hate Twitter, uh, I, but I can't I can't take my eyes off uh, this this Matthew Dolloff in Denver that shot a guy in the face. It's it's just fascinating to me. It's a weird sort of perverse. I guess fantasy is the only way to describe it. It's like, ooh, what would what would it look like if I, uh, you know, if I was a murderer and people were talking about me being a murderer? What would that look like? Not that I would ever do that. I'm a nice person. Uh, please don't contact me. I think they finally got to the real guy, which is, or they, they got to the real guy early, which is good. Because, like, when, when my cousin tipped me off and they were like, have they confused you with this guy yet? I was like, wait, what? I think it had already been like a good like half a day of them uh, trashing this other guy out in Colorado. But how do I show my face at Denver now? I think you I have can. to. I think I have to get an alias or like a mm-hmm. fake ID with an alias, and then people stay in ho- like celebrities stay use aliases when they stay at hotels. So I feel like that's possible. But like I, Denver's on my bucket list. I wanted to go out there. <laughs> I can't like how think, just picture me showing my ID to a guy in Denver and I get the like the guy might be in prison at that point but like again there are stupid people in the world lots of them so you can't go there now sorry Stop oh, to you. damn it I wanted to see the Rocky Mountains 
Let's smoke some of that Colorado weed, dude. That's uh, you know, it's from the Rocky Mountains. Is uh, Vader, rest in peace. Yes. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was good. He was. I he was. was I was a fan of too. any guy who was like six five, four hundred pounds, but I could do a moonsault. I love. I love those guys. Right. Vader, you know, Bam Bam Bigelow. He was a good one. Also dead. Earthquake. Yeah, they're all dead. Earthquake. Dead. He had cancer though, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, they're all dead. Yeah, sucks. <laughs> I think good. that I think their wellness, their new wellness policy that they've adopted since the whole Crispin Watt thing. I think there are going. I think the average age of death is going to eventually start going up for for wrestlers. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's still pretty unforgiving, and they're probably still covering up concussions and and all that crap. Oh, for but, sure. Uh, Vader, it was weird because two years ago or whatever, when I don't know when it was, Vader put out a picture of himself, and he was like in amazing shape. So I was like, oh, I was, I was wondering, like, what the hell happened to Vader at one point? And then all of a sudden I saw a picture of him. It's like, holy shit, he could still do it. Right. Uh, fortunately, he got sick, which is uh, – Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. It's a sad industry. Okay. But, you know. It is. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I'm um, back back in the game on Thursday. Back in the game for the sports hub. I'm technically doing the podcast on a vacation day. You better but, have uh, a, like You a, know, a, I think a, I had a, a good – yeah, I had a good. I have, I've I've workshopped some takes with you, and I think I'm gonna get into it. I'll probably have some thoughts on uh, where the Bruins are headed as far as the youth movement on defense. Uh, I'll have some thoughts on the Patriots and where they might be headed long term this season, and uh, how this game against the 49ers might go. I'm a little worried about the uh, the 49ers r- rushing attack because Bill Belichick hasn't exactly. They've had some rough games against that style of offense the, the Mike Shanahan coaching tree whether it's Shanahan or his son or uh, Gary Kubiak even has, has scored some points with that zone blocking and, and that running game it, it could give them trouble because I don't think I think they're way more equipped this is a, this is kind of obvious to anyone who pays attention to the Patriots they're way more equipped against a passing offense than than a running team so I don't know that sort of concerns me but I'd still be surprised if the Niners came in here and like and just blew the doors off the Patriots or whatever I think the if they're back, as long as they're back to normal and COVID doesn't shut them down again, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll bounce back and win. But I mean, we're, I think I said it before. If they're six and four after ten games, that would be amazing. We'll see if they can go on a run. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to get back in the game. I think I'm going to still stay off Twitter because I, I need to I need to take my mind off this of this this total mind bleep going on in Colorado. But uh, I'm sort of made a bit about it. The bits maybe run its course because the likes and Twitter have gone down with each successive tweet. But uh, but I, Matthias Dahlhoof, will continue to be a humble football poet from the fields of New Hampshire, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Do you have any uh, anything else you wanted to add in there? Uh, no. I just I'm eagerly getting to get off and see this uh, Rudy Giuliani Borat thing that's apparently popping up. Oh boy. I no, that's, only, I have I do have Prime Video, so I'm definitely watching that. Borat we've talked about before. That was like the funniest movie of the last 15 years. I was a little concerned about this New York Times profile piece. It's like this time he's serious. It's like no, no, yeah. it's supposed to be funny. Why are we getting? Oh God, is politics just going to invade everything? I'm sick of this shit. Well, that's uh, what. That's another reason why the whole thing frustrated me. It's just like I'm apolitical. I really don't. I don't. I try not to care. And then then another extra political extremist will hit that. I'd be oh. You don't care? Oh! It's like look at look at what you're doing to yourself. 
Right. Why do you care? Why are you tweeting all day about Amy Coney Barrett and Rudy Giuliani and uh, the liberals? And like, why you guys are losing your minds? Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to calm the hell down and live their lives at some point. You know, I feel like it's just a waste to get all this caught up in this crap. Yeah, you're not going to get me dropping any political opinions no. on here. I feel like F people. That. Know, I feel like people know my stance on many. Let's stick many, to sports. Anything. My stance is you're all lunatics. That's my stance. So take that as what Especially you Especially me. Oh, yeah. I mean, you watching any scary movies? It's that no, part I time of the year. I can't find any any Friday the 13th. I, I, what, where are they? Why are they not on any streaming service? I think I saw, I think I saw you tweet about that. I want to say they're all available on Xfinity or some somebody, form somebody of Xfinity. Somebody said Amazon Prime, and I looked on Amazon Prime. I couldn't find Yes. It. No, you're right. Yeah, that was it. Amazon Prime, had, I think, has all of them. Because I've been searching them. high and low for scary movies to watch. I think they're all on Prime Video. So, yeah. go, so go there. I don't know if you have Prime. I'm just going to watch Ghostbusters 2 and call it a day. Ghostbusters 2 is kind of scary. At least compared to the it. first one. It's not as funny. It's scarier. Yeah. It's, but I, think, I don't think it's as bad as people make it out. People make it out to be like, oh, the sequel is terrible. Giant I enjoyed it. I watched it both movies a million times growing up. Yeah, you're not going to get a green card with that attitude, pal. One of the <laughs> funniest lines in any movie. <laughs> Sucking the guts, guys, with Ghostbusters. Uh, they walk up, they march into that museum like they're king shit, and literally nobody's paying attention. That's right. There are some funny things. Yeah, I bet the chicks take that cranium of yours. Are you going, I think they're more interested in my epididymis. He says it so matter-of-factly. It's like, what? You know that guy? The guy who played Vigo is like a huge piece of shit. You know that, right? You ever seen uh, I don't think I've seen his story. I know that he Google didn't that use. His, I know they didn't use his real voice. The real, if you haven't heard it, go on YouTube. You can get the real recording of the original actor saying the same line: "The scourge of Moldavia, the scourge of Carpathia." Whatever he says. Yeah. They uh, they replaced him with Max von Sydow, who's an iconic actor who died recently, but he had like an iconic voice, and uh, he plays the the old Jedi at the beginning of the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. That guy. They had him like dub over. He's the voice of Vigo the Carpathian. Fun fact. I'm gonna have and to go the, the original this. guy. You listen to him, you'll be like, "Oh yeah, this guy sounds like a total scumbag." I'm glad they replaced him. He sounds like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think I'm due to rewatch both of those movies. In fact, yeah, I'm yeah, due do for it. that. Yeah, do even, it. Even the first Ghostbuster says Ivan Reitman has like sneaky, scary moments in his movies. There, and they're supposed to be like comedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, kindergarten cop did you ever see kindergarten cop of course the fire scene at the end like the whole movie is basically a build up to when the fire happens when the guy sets the fire at the school yeah i don't care that's like actually like scary it's like it's kind of very suspenseful yeah no i don't are very suspenseful and like tense for uh it's supposed to be like kids comp family comedies you know yeah no i agree with that and when like the arms come out of the chair and ghostbusters and pulls her into hell that's a little scary yeah, I, I I'll probably watch uh, my favorite, my favorite, uh, not even scary movie, but just one of my favorite like horror movies is They Live. So I'll probably watch that at some point Ooh. as well. I don't know if I've ever watched that whole movie. Oh, love that movie. I just I just know I don't know if I ever got past the thirty minute fight scene where they literally just keeps pulling the guy back up and then punching him again or whatever. Oh, it's great. If that that's that's uh, that is you know that that's him. That that is. Yeah. That's Roddy Roddy Piper right there for you. Right. I'm going to rewatch uh, Big Jim Murray's favorite movie, Hereditary. Mm. Did you ever watch that one? 
No, no, I never. I'm jealous of Jim Murray that he wasn't uh, scared shitless by this movie. It's it, the movie legit. Uh, made, it made it hard to sleep for a little while. It was because it's like some of it was like plausible. It's like just mm-hmm. plausible enough for like if this happened to me, uh, I would be traumatized for life. It's it's yeah. The way it's shot, the way it's directed, and the music and the editing and all that is just like this guy knows how to scare the pants off people, but. I wish I had big Jim Murray's uh, resolve and just like, I don't give a crap about any of this attitude. Cause he came out of that. And I remember him saying, this is one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen. And it's like, I want to say like, give it one more viewing. It's not that stupid. It's the, it's actually like pretty well crafted, but it'll be like, Nope. Sucks. <laughs> it's like, I wish, I wish you weren't, I wish, I wish I had that attitude where I couldn't let a movie actually. It's like movies don't actually scare me that often. Hereditary freaked me the F out. So really? Yeah. It's just like, there's some parts that are like, I mean, it's not it's more like upsetting than scary. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the most upsetting scene in the movie, he said that part was good for a laugh. So it's like, it's one of these movies where like a lot of it relies on like weird, strange slash scary imagery and mm-hmm. noises and stuff. And so I think it put it borders on the absurd. So I think like, depending on what kind of movie viewer you are, It'll either be like silly and like unintentionally funny or like the creepiest thing you've seen in a long time. Yeah. I feel like you'd be the first. I feel like you'd be more on Jim Murray's side than me. I sort I let this movie get to me. Well, I cope, I cope with uh, things that scare me by laughing. So keep that yeah. in mind. I think it's hard. It's hard to watch at points. It's one of those movies, but um, yeah, yeah I'm going to rewatch it. It's one of my favorite scary movies just because of how upsetting it is. <laughs> <laughs> and just how gut-wrenching it is half the time but uh yeah i watched carrie for the first time mm-hmm. all the way through recently i don't know if you ever saw that the old one uh no brian de palma this guy's a creep i'm not i'm, I'm so shocked that brian de palma wasn't wasn't like part of the whole me too thing this guy's oh, zooming really? in on like zooming right in on uh on sissy spacex boobs when she was like she couldn't have been older than like 20 21 years old when she made this movie it was it was creepy he's very voyeuristic mm-hmm. but um i sort of see how his movies are compelling his movies are all like i always feel like they're really cheesy the way he shoots his movies but like i can see the way his movies are compelling to people and the scene near the end where she just lo- she they pulled the big prank on her and she just loses it and starts owning everybody yeah very cathartic very well well made scene one of the best scenes in horror history and i totally get why it's uh captivating but, um, did you ever see the uh the episode uh not the episode jesus the 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 show uh or the movie rather uh what was it called um it was one it was stephen king but they all became cats and like they like would fight people and like eat people uh yeah sleepwalkers sleepwalkers that's the one yeah, yeah. They become like cat people and they just like I think I've seen that before and I was mildly disturbed. Yeah, I saw that when I was like 6. I definitely shouldn't see that when you're 6. I think that, that's what I learned. I think any horror that like something is like something grows inside of you like an alien or the fly or like your your own body is getting violated and like stuff like that that's that stuff gets to me. Yeah. I think the torture movies are a little much like hostile and stuff. It's like okay, that's just porn, torture porn as they call it. But, um, yeah, I don't care for those. But I think like I think the more supernatural stuff, like Satan and uh, invading your body and stuff like that's the stuff that gets to me. The Exorcist movies like that. Yep. I think yep. there's a reason that those movies tend to scare people more. Hereditary's in, in that class. I think. Mm-hmm. I'm like it's just like your 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 own body, your own family, your own people are, are betraying you. Right. You know, it's horrifying. Anytime like a normal family gets completely messed up, 
like in the shining or something that's the that's the movies that get to me the most mm-hmm. oh the shining i want to watch that one I'll, I'll, I'll rewatch that at some point I, but i like a good slasher because you know it's it's just silly and you're having fun with it yeah no, i like true. to you know i like any kind of horror movie but i gotta i gotta start blowing through some movies because once ha- after halloween i'm sort of just over it <laughs> for a right. while but uh i'm into this time of year i'm into it you know that's all that matters right yeah all right well i think we've had enough banter for one afternoon i'm gonna let you get back to work i'm gonna get back to my vacation <laughs> and i'll i'll get this up it's wednesday right now this will be up on thursday uh you got it this far thank you i love you uh happy to be back thanks for uh indulging me and everything that's been going on in my life and uh hopefully you enjoyed the sports talk and everything about that um what's it next week it'll be just before halloween so i think we're gonna do one more week of uh scary movie talk we might have to do like a movie of the week or something Uh, we'll talk about that off the air but um all right thanks for listening guys uh it's the sports up sign lines podcast we'll talk to you again next week